Fix This Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 30th. Training camp's rolling along. We're getting closer and closer to real football. And that means you're getting closer and closer to your fantasy football drafts. So make sure to check out the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Our fantasy team is recording an episode every single weekday through the end of the year, nay, season. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, mock drafts on the air. I'll occasionally appear. Listener interaction via email and Twitter. It's the best way to win your league. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Podcast today, anywhere you get your podcast. All right, everybody. I'm Will Brinson. Joining me on the horn today, this Tuesday. Uh, we recorded a show on Friday with Pete Prisco. A lot happened over the weekend. Um, as you all know, because you listen to this podcast, I'm too lazy to go back and actually record a new podcast, a new intro for Monday. Uh, so we're just going to roll right along into Tuesday's show. Excited for what we got. On with me now, Ryan Wilson, live from his luxurious mansion in uh, Syracuse, New York. And uh, Brian McFadden, who is uh, in an undisclosed training camp location that you can reveal to me because I forgot where you are. <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up, BMAC? Hope you're doing well. Uh, pump for this. You uh, Are you currently in Pittsburgh or are you in Philly or where are you headed? I'm, I mean, currently Jersey getting ready to get ready for a Jets training camp in a, in, a, in a few days. Oh, sweet. All right. Yeah. And we will actually, I think I'm supposed to tease that later on in the rundown. Could have read that, I guess. Uh, we will dive into the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really prepared. It's Monday morning. Uh, we will dive into the Steelers as well. Um, but first things first, the big news coming out of the weekend, AJ Green injured the Bengals wide, star wide receiver, 30 years old, in the final year of his contract. He suffered, um, what was initially diagnosed as a sprained ankle. It turned out to be something more. An MRI revealed more damage, and it means that he is going to miss six to eight weeks. Um, BMAC, how big a deal is this, you know, for the Bengals? Cause I, mean, I think it's a pretty freaking big deal since he's their best offensive player. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, you know, me personally, guys, I felt like this would be a rebuilding type of year for Cincinnati, uh, especially trying to be relevant in the division. I mean, you got three real competitive, talented teams in the division uh, that they will have to see twice a year. So now knowing that your star receiver potentially will miss the beginning of the season, and then think about this, whenever he returns to action, we don't know how close he will be to uh, being 100% when it comes to the health standpoint. So it might take some time for him to really get his legs underneath him, get into football shape, because he's going to miss the entire training camp regiment, preseason regiment. And when you have a, 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 a ankle or a foot injury, I mean, as far as conditioning, there's only so much you can do. So it was going to be a difficult year already. But not having your best player, your best offensive player, uh, I don't expect a lot from this team, even with A.J. Green. I think having A.J. Green, they're more entertaining to watch just from the star power that he brings. But not having A.J. Green, literally it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big blow for the Bengals. Tyler Boyd, they recently signed. Um, if you look at the splits, he's much less, uh, much less, I guess, uh, productive. You would call it. He's still very good, but much less productive when AJ Green is out of the lineup. So that would be interesting to see how they they function uh, with that. Ryan. And I'm sure you're aware that the field was called subpar by multiple reports. Uh, is this just another case of John Breach's favorite football team doing something stupid and letting their 30-year-old superstar wideout get hurt in the final year of his contract on a crappy field? Well, I saw you tweeted this out, and people immediately called you out on your your nonsense. It's not the Bengals' fault. It's the NFL's fault. 
Why, why are the NFL requiring these teams? And we saw this back at the Hall of Fame game a few years ago. They canceled the Hall of Fame game because the field's in such terrible condition. And BMAC knows this. Sean Sweesom, their, uh, their kicker before, um, uh, Chris, what's his face? Bosworth showed up. Boswell, sorry. He tore his ACL at the Hall of Fame game because the field was crappy. And that ended yep. his career. And that led to them having to trade for a kicker and then eventually find their way to Boswell, who, who struggled last year. If you want to, spread goodwill and have fans interact with the players just make sure i mean look it's a multi-billion dollar industry how hard is it to make sure the field's in decent shape it's not dayton's fault that they didn't update their field just because the Bengals were coming for a day uh and it sucks for for aj green but here's something else you mentioned as well he's in the last year of his deal what are you paying aj green who's going to be 31 soon he makes 15 million on average a year now he's ranked ninth among all wide receivers in terms of average salary and if you look at spot track, their market value metric for him is 16.6, which seems like a lot for a guy who can't stay healthy, who's on a team that – how many games is he going to help that team win? One and a half, two games maybe? Are you paying this guy? Does it make sense to trade him? I mean, what's the plan if, as BMAC points out, and I think he's right, they're just rebuilding. Yeah, BMAC, I wonder, would you well, – I mean, what would your mindset be if you're a player who's – like AJ Green, a, a veteran, established superstar, one of the best players in Bengals history, one of the only uh, two players, along with Randy Moss, to ever start a season with six straight thousand-yard seasons. He hasn't been as great the last few years. He's been injured. Andy Dalton's been banged up. So I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of little red flags there. But if you're AJ Green and you suffered this injury, are you in the back of your mind thinking maybe I'm the one who won't negotiate with the Bengals? Like I'm just gonna get, like I'm just gonna get out of here. I'm tired of Cincinnati. Tired of that stupid chili that they throw on noodles. I'm sick and tired of playing for this cheap team. I'm getting out of town. You know what? Um, I kind of thought about this scenario before the injury happened. Uh, well, you remember a few weeks ago we did our top ten wide receivers. Yep. Um, and of course, you know, AJ Green was in my top ten, but then I started to think about his uh, the situation he's currently in. If you're A.J. Green, granted, they could franchise you next year or they can give you an extension. But if you're A.J. Green, do you want anything coming from Cincinnati as far as a new deal or a franchise tag? Me, personally, if I was A.J., I would want to get out of Dodge. Granted, that team with A.J. has reached their peak. They, they, they missed their window of opportunity a few years ago, but undisciplined, undisciplined play prevented them from going further in the postseason uh, based on where they, sh- they should have went. And now the other teams in the division, they have surpassed the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's a large gap of separation. So if I'm A.J., I would love to finish out the contract here in Cincinnati and just allow me to walk, allow me to test the free agent market, or if I'm Cincinnati – if you feel like you've gotten the best from A.J. Green, now, granted, I still believe this guy has a lot left in the tank. But you just gave Tyler Boyd some real nice money. You paid him real good. Maybe you can find a way to get something in return for A.J., but if I'm A.J., I would like this year to be my last year in the Cincinnati Bengals uniform. Hmm. Interesting indeed. Yeah. I mean, if you're AJ Green, if I'm AJ Green, I'll tell you the other thing I'm doing too is I'm taking my sweet time getting that ankle healthy. I'm not, I mean, I, I know he's a team player. I know he'll get back as fast as he can. If it's me, I am resting and rehabbing as long as possibly needed to be completely healthy. Hey, um, question for you, question for you guys. Uh, what value do you think if Cincinnati were to entertain trading AJ, what value do you think 
they would get in return. Mm. Can I, you get a third round pick for him? I, I think that it would have to be some sort of situation. This is my opinion. It would have to be some sort of situation where, um, well, maybe, maybe the team doesn't need to sign him when they, when they land him. I mean, you know, he's only got, I mean, this is a final year of his deal and you would control him with a tag if you wanted to in the new destination. I think, I mean, I would give a third round pick for AJ Green once he came back and was healthy. If I was a team at the trade deadline, I w- obviously you wouldn't do it right now. How much better is Julio Jones than, than, um, AJ though? Because AJ, Julio Jones, if someone gave up like a early second round pick, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at that. And they're the same age. Yeah, yeah, they are the same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if you're telling me I could get AJ for a third rounder, now granted you have to sign him to an extension because of course you don't want to rent a player and give up a third rounder. But Ryan, that's a good point. If Julio Jones' value is a second rounder, AJ value should be no better than third, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. look, like if you're the let's say let's say if AJ Green was healthy right now in just a hypothetical situation and the Patriots gave up a third round pick for him everybody would call Bill Belichick a genius and oh. say that New England was about to burn every single opponent to the ground because Tom Brady has his new Randy Moss and I, everybody would be the Patriots win total would jump a half a game uh I mean the, it, it would people would love it now if the Browns did it people might you know like if the you know, like somebody else traded a third round pick for AJ Green. I think people might be like, "Well, that's a lot to give up," but he is the AJ Lions, Green. The Lions, yeah. People would be like, "Well, Matt Patricia sort of lost his his fastball or something like that." I, I don't, I don't think a third is, I don't think a third is exorbitant for AJ Green, um, because because no. you could use the tag and try to keep him, and presumably whoever trades for him, he's going to be happier in his new destination than he was in Cincinnati. Also, yep. too, Antonio Brown, he got moves for a third rounder, right? And yep. Yeah, and that's just because he was making things difficult. So yeah, I mean and that's he, right. He's, and he's what two, three years older than AJ, right? What is he? He's he just turned thirty-one, I think. So he may not. He, they might be the same age, pretty yeah, close. Yeah, he turned thirty-one and uh, on July tenth, and AJ Green is uh, will turn thirty-one on July thirty-first. So they're about twenty-one days apart, uh, basically the same age. Um, and yeah, I remember Brown too. Be back wanted to get. He he was demanding that he become the highest paid wide receiver in football. I would assume that AJ Green wants to be in that range, but probably understands that it will be uh, difficult for him to exceed Odell Beckham and, and perhaps even Julio Jones and maybe Michael Thomas and whoever else you know comes through. What is the? Uh, I ask you every every time we talk. What's the Browns over under? Uh, nine and a half. No, it's not. Yes, it is. The, the Browns. I'm sorry, not the Browns. The Bengals. The Bengals. Uh, Bengals is five and a half. I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right, take the under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so listen, they run, start, run and take the under, please. They start and and um, AJ may not play the first few weeks. It sounds like right, six to eight weeks. So maybe even a month. Who knows? So they're at Seahawks, the 49ers, at the Bills, at the Steelers, and then the Cardinals. They win one game there. I, I don't think they're beating the Cardinals the way they're situated right now. No. I mean, Pat Peterson's going to yeah. be, Pat Peterson won't be there for that game because of his suspension. So a, getting AJ back would be huge for that. But I mean, they have five of their first eight games are on the road and they're tough places to play. Seattle uh, is, is a really rough opener to start. Buffalo is not an easy place to play. Pittsburgh, of course, in week four at Baltimore in week six. Uh, they don't have a, a single home divisional game until the second half of the, the schedule. And they also happen to pick up the Patriots in the second half. of the You schedule. know what AJ Green should be doing for the next two months? Putting his house on the market and asking for a trade. Yep. Might be right. I think so. Uh, st- I, 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 th- I think that would be ideal, Ryan. And, and we definitely need to start pushing this because I think that could become a reality. 
For a third rounder, third, fourth rounder, man, please, plenty of teams would be jumping at the yeah. at the at the front of the line to try to acquire his services for a third or fourth rounder. No, I, I agree with you completely. Um, really rough, by the way, uh, run for Andy Dalton here because they've lost uh, two offensive linemen for the season. Um, and now he just lost AJ Green and he's in a new offense and he has to go play Seattle's defense in week one. So have fun with that, Andy. Uh, sticking in the NFC or the AFC North, excuse me. Um, I thought this is an interesting comment. This is not on our rundown, but I'm going to go off script a little bit. An interesting comment from John Harbaugh, <clears throat> excuse me, over the weekend in which Harbaugh said, bet the quote, bet the over end quote when asked if Lamar Jackson would run 130 or more times this year. BMAC, do you consider it to be a smart move to let Lamar Jackson run? And, and for the record, Lamar Jackson had 147 rushing attempts last year. Is it wise to let him rush more than 130 times for a second year in a row? Well, the thing is, I think it is mm-hmm. because I think that is his best skill set. But don't allow these numbers to really confuse you a little bit because he ran for 130 he had 130 rushing attempts a year ago and only started nine games, yep. right? Yep. So in nine games, he gave you 130 opportunities running the football. So if he started the entire season, in which we believe he will, based on him being healthy, and we know there's no quarterback competition in, in Baltimore, he is the guy. So if he starts from week one to the final week of the season, I can easily see him eclipsing that number based on the opportunities. Because if he ran 130 in nine games, I mean, man, you, you give him seven more ball games, and clearly he'll be able to get over that 130 mark again based on what Harbaugh is, is talking about. So I think you have to have him be involved in the running game, but he has to be smart running the football. I think he has to, he has to establish that Russell Wilson mentality when he's running the football because Russell runs the ball a lot, not in design running plays, but he improvises a lot and he creates plays with his legs, but you don't usually see him get hit a lot because he's so smart. So if Lamar Jackson can adapt that uh, formula, being smart with the football when he's running, yeah, you should you should be able to put him in that lineup and give him opportunities because he's a very, very deadly player when he's running the football. Uh, just worth noting very quickly, Ryan, that uh, – and. Not correcting, but it was, uh, he started, it was eight games total, not nine. My bad, BMAC, when I, when I, okay, seven, eight games. It was seven regular season games. In those seven regular season games that he started for the, for the, uh, Ravens down the stretch, and they went six and one in them, uh, he rushed the ball 119 times, which is, uh, good for an average, Ryan, of 17 rushing attempts per week, which is frankly just an absurd number. Yeah. No, he's a running back in, in many senses, but this is the whole point that why Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator was given the OC job. He did this with Colin Kaepernick. who had a ton of success, and, and that's the plan. They've tweaked the offense and basically made it Lamar Jackson's. Joe Flacco's gone. He's a pocket passer. We talked about that last week. But I think, and we talked to BMAC about this last week, and he made the point. He would rather face Lamar Jackson than a quote-unquote red-hot Joe Flacco because you know that Lamar's got to run, and if you stop him running, he's got to be able to throw the ball. And we have not seen him do that consistently. So the plan is, will Greg Roman's run-first offense outwit whatever the defense has in store. And it worked last year until they ran into the Chargers, and everyone's watching that Chargers game, so they're going to have a plan. Now the, the Ravens have uh, Mark Ingram, who, who can still play, obviously. They drafted Marquise Brown, who's on the NFL, NFI list right now. They drafted Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame, who's a big, fast wide receiver. So they have options, but until Lamar Jackson shows he can consistently throw the ball, teams are going to be eight guys going to be standing around the line of scrimmage waiting to see what he does. He'll have a lot of success, but – 
can he have the success throwing the ball when the Ravens need him to do that? And that's the, that's sort of the big question. Yeah. It, uh, ran the numbers, by the way. I was interested to see, um, how many times a quarterback since the, since the merger, uh, so you're talking about 1970 to 2018 had rushed the ball a hundred or thir- more than 130 times. It has happened four times in, 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 in history. Well, no, four technically. So, uh, Bobby Douglas. Did it in 1972, as we all knew on this podcast before I looked that up, I'm sure. Just kidding. None of us knew that. Um, Cam Newton did it twice, and then Lamar Jackson did it last year. The interest- Wait, Michael Vick's name's not on there? No. no yeah. Here's the interesting thing about Cam, and I, I didn't want to tweet this out because I knew we were going to jumble the pod, and I didn't want to like get blowback and be accused of, of being wrong or stupid, which I am I am often often am. Um, but uh, Cam- Yeah, that stopped you before from tweeting. No, certainly hasn't. Uh, Cam Newton did it. Cam Newton ran for 132 times in 2015, and then he ran 139 times in 2017. What makes those two numbers interesting is that in the season following Cam Newton going over 130 rushing attempts, his year ended prematurely with shoulder surgery. It sort of makes me think, BMAC, I don't want to say that's a correlation or causation or that Cam ran the ball 130 times and therefore his shoulder fell apart, but, I mean, you run the ball that much, and you take that many, you know, that many hits from defensive backs who are teeing off because they know you're running. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna add up, right? Uh, no question, it's gonna add up. And also, too, Cam is a big guy. You know, he's much bigger than Lamar Jackson, and a guy who's six four, six five, two hundred and sixty, two hundred sixty five pounds. I don't care who you are when you're running the ball as much as Cam has done in his career. You're playing against guys who care nothing about their body. Their job is to be a bowling ball rolling into bowling pins, and they love doing it, and they get excitement in doing so. So you can see now all the injuries that he sustained, most uh, most noticeably the, the, the shoulder injury he just had. I mean, you need to protect your quarterback. Now, the one concern I have, and I'm glad we're bringing up Cam Newton's name about uh, attaching to Lamar Jackson convo we're having, because Cam has been required to run the football so much, we've never really seen seen him develop as a passer like we thought he would develop because he's relying so much on his leg. Cam's rookie year, that year he threw for 4,000 yards. Uh, you know, I think he wasn't either rookie office or rookie of the year, if I'm not mistaken, in 2011. Many felt like he would be the next great passer, also with mobility to add to his skill set. But we've never really seen Cam develop as a passer because they rely on his legs. And I am concerned when it comes to that element with Lamar Jackson. If they're telling us they're going to allow him to run the football at least 130 times, those 130 opportunities are opportunities opportunities that he won't get as far as throwing the football. So how can you develop as a passer when that's your Achilles heel when you're running the football so much? That's one concern I have. Mm, very fair point. Um, also in the uh, AFC North, which I I want to call the NFC North for some, I don't know why I'm doing that today. Uh, it's, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. We'll deal with it. Um, BMAC, you were with the Steelers. Uh, Ryan has roughly 9,000 questions he wants to ask you about, uh, uh, where Mike Tomlin went to college. Instead, I will ask you, how does, <laughs> how, how does, uh, how does old, your old pal Ben Roethlisberger, uh, leader, leadership McLeadery, how does he look, uh, heading into, getting into what I feel is the most revenge-filled season of his career? Well, I can say this. I had an opportunity to talk to Ben one-on-one. I, I watched practice. And the first thing I brought to his attention was how well he looks from the mm. body standpoint. 
Uh, he slimmed down. I talked to him. I asked him about his diet. Uh, for you guys that have issues trying to lose weight or get into shape, I got the formula from Big Ben, Super Bowl winning champion. <laughs> Do not partake in anything sugar-related and carbs-related. If you would do that, you will look extremely slim. You will feel good, and that's that has been part of his uh, diet throughout the entire off season. I, I feel like that was. I feel like I feel like that was a veiled shot at me, but I'm going to let it slide, B Mac. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can't see it, B Mac. He's the donut right now, too. <laughs> hey, you know the old saying? They said a hit dog will holler. You throw a rock and a pack of dogs, and when you hit, will holler. <laughs> hey, but uh, secondly, his arm looks real good, mm. real good. I mean, watching him throw it. I mean, he's, and I told him, I said, man, you're looking like you're in year three or year four uh, for a guy that's coming into year 16. So his body looks good. We know about the cerebral element he brings to the game. His above-the-shoulder game is still on point. Uh, man, listen, I, I, I'm excited for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense because I know there's so many concerns when you lose two superstar players like Bell and Brown. There will be a drop-off as far as that individual uh, uh, spot for what they provided. But as long as you have a top-tier type quarterback, with serviceable guys surrounding him, and also to a unit that no one is really talking about, the offensive line. Mm. That is a very, very stable group. And I think they're the most important unit on that offense because if they do what they need to do, everything else will be easy for them on the offensive side. So Big Ben looks real good. I can say that. He looks real good. Juju, Big Ben, that connection is clearly known. Uh, what I saw um, in that full day of practice, Big Ben targeting Dante Moncrief. And they're starting to create a relationship, which will be huge for that offense because, you know, the elephant in the room when it comes to that offense, who will be the heir apparent to Juju as far as top pass catcher? Hey, Brian, uh, B-Mac, let me ask you, because uh, is this wishful thinking on Steelers fans' part to think that, okay, now that Roethlisberger doesn't have to target A.B. 150 times a year, he can spread the ball around, and sometimes he forced the ball last year and threw interceptions when he he felt like he had to throw it to Antonio Brown because he would get upset. Can you make the case that, okay, now this offense will be more balanced? He doesn't have to feel like he has to look at A.B. on every pass route. He can spread the ball around. Juju won't be upset if Ryan Switzer catches a pass or if Dante Moncrief catches a pass. Uh, Do you think there's a chance for balance, even though A.B., one of the best players in the last 15 years, isn't there? Well, I'm not quite ready to say balance because they ran the football so much last year, especially when Connor went out with that injury. They kind of abandoned the run. But I can't say this, Ryan. I don't think they would be as predictable as they as as they've been as they have been in the past, based on AB being in the lineup. And like you said, sometimes you can tell you, you saw that Ben forced the issue to AB because he's a superstar player and he was looking for these for those opportunities. Now you take away a hundred plus receptions that AB had. Big Ben will have those hundred plus completions, but you just don't know who they will go to. Well, you know Juju's going to get his maybe 100 to 90 balls, right, as far as receptions. But then you still got 100-plus that you have to divide equally throughout the other pass catchers. And it's just not just two wide receivers. Uh, Vance McDonald, I think he should have a big year. The only issue with Vance will be, will he be healthy? Because he, looking at him running routes, looking at how well he catches the football, uh, he looks the part. He just needs to remain on the football field. So, Maybe the guys that yes, sir. Can I ask you something real quick? Talking about Vance McDonald because yep. I love him. What are you doing if you're a defensive back who gets stiff arm through the <laughs> turf in that Bucks game 
and you then say you have a knee injury, you don't come back. What's going through your mind? What are your teammates thinking? And what conversations are you having after the game once you get his face, his fingers off your face mask? First and foremost, you are hoping that this was a dream and this was not a Monday night game. <laughs> then when you realize it was a Monday night game, I think the only thing you can do to be rewarded some type of sympathy is act like you're hurt. Because then if you're injured, you know, people are going to be concerned. Oh, he got hurt. But then if you act like you're hurt, then it adds more insult to injury because uh, he pretty much stiff on you to the injured reserve list. <laughs> so, and, and all that is a situation to where you can't really live down. And if you're his teammate, initially you don't jump, you don't jump on him because he was injured, right? But throughout the, throughout the season, I mean, occasionally you will take shots and, uh, and who was that? Was that Conti? Who, yeah, who was, was the, Conti. Who was the yep. I mean, Conti pretty much will be on mute the entire season. There's nothing you really can say because opposing teams, whatever you regain, return back to, to action. Opposing offensive players are going to talk trash to you about that. So, yeah. oh, so if you're on the field, off, you could, if, so if you get, if he, if Conti had come back in week nine or whatever, that's the first thing he's going to hear when he lines up across from someone. Oh, no question. I mean, hey, man, how, how does it feel to be on the highlight that we'll be seeing throughout 2018, 2019, 2020? How do you feel? Oh, man, we, it can't, you can't tackle. We just saw you got still falling to the back of the locker room. I would, I would, if I were, if I were uh, somebody lining up across from him, I would be like, oh, my God, Chris, I didn't, I, I thought you died when Vance McDonald stole your soul. How are you doing? Nice to see you. Glad you made it back. And I might, hey, I might hold a fake funeral for him, too, in the, uh, in the, in the locker room if I was his hey, teammate. Hey, Will, if you said it in that tone, <laughs> yes, we, we would have to fight right there. I'd have to get a fight. Like, if you said it to me in, in, in that sarcastic tone. Like, we're fighting. Like, as soon as the whistle blow, I'm attacking you. I don't care what the play is. I'm getting the person to fight. Um, I don't know if you guys heard me and um, me and Brady do the podcast last week, but Brady was like, you know, I get the sense that you're the type of person who, with a few beers at a bar, would run his mouth and get yourself in trouble very quickly. I was like, yes, that is accurate, Brady. I am short and small and not strong, and I like to run my mouth in a sarcastic fashion. Usually it ends up with me getting beat up. So you, you're spot on, Peter. <laughs> um, well, in a Chris Conti jersey. Hey, did you get did you get a chance to – yes, right. I, I might as well be – I'm the Chris Conti of real life. Uh, did you get a chance? chance to uh to see any of Devin Bush and, and what he might be able to bring to the Steelers defense because yeah you know, like I think in 2017 they were maybe a top 10 defense um you know because and then you know, they had a run with when Shazier was healthy but this has not been you know since since your crew left BMAC this has not been the Steelers of lore you know the Steelers of lore the the great uh, iron curtain and the, and the championship defenses is there a chance for Devin Bush to sort of uh, change how, th- how they're perceived on that side of the ball uh, yes, I, I think uh, watching Devin, number one, and, and talking to the coaches about him, they all, they all had the same thing to say. He's a kid that loves football, and he has a great attitude. Guys, if you have those two skills, uh, two attributes, initially, everything else is easy. If you love the game of ball, that means you will always do whatever it takes for you to be relevant, to improve your craft. And then if you have the right attitude, you're coachable. You're, you're willing to listen to your coaches as far as quality improvements and criticism. And those are two things young players need to have. And he has that. And not to mention, he's a violent player. He's extremely violent. And playing the linebacker position, man, you guys, man, you got to be able to stick your head in a fan. Just put your head in the fan and have no regard to what will happen. And that's the type of player he is. There's, it's only a matter of time, I believe, 
before he cracks the starting lineup, who knows how long it would take because it's just about it's more so about the mental aspect of the game. And once he gets comfortable when it comes to that element, he will be in the lineup. And I think he has an opportunity, guys, to potentially be in that defensive rookie of the year conversation. Peter, let me ask about one other rookie, a guy that I actually liked a lot before the draft. And um, I think he's sort of flying under the radar, but I haven't seen him at, at training camp. How does Justin Lane, the cornerback out of Michigan State, who they got in the third round, he's a tall, long guy, former wide receiver. Have you had a chance to, to see him? Did he look good, bad, and different? Yeah, one thing I was surprised about when I saw Justin, I did not know he was that slim. He is extremely slim, but he's long. And I think he has the frame where he could add at least 10 to 15 pounds and still be extremely mobile and fluid in how he moves on the football field. But one thing I like about him, he knows how to how to use his length. Um, with a guy like that, I mean, he can easily stand straight up and, and scratch his, uh, his ankles. That's how long his arms seem to be, which is a great uh, 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 element to have when you're playing in the cornerback position, especially in press technique. I think this year, potentially for him, is more of a, develop- a development type of year because they're pretty loaded at the, at the cornerback spots as far as the top two guys with Nelson, Hayden, you got Hilton, you got Sutton, you got Artie Burns who's still fighting for his life. So I think this will be more of a development type of year for Justin, being able to get stronger in the weight room, pick up some size. And I don't see him making an impact this year unless the unthinkable happens as far as injuries to the corners. Mm, interesting. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, maybe chat about the Giants' wide receivers, maybe do some position battles. Who knows if we even uh, have – maybe we get to Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we know if we'll have time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so uh, that we ended up talking longer on the on the AFC North than I thought we would, but it was an exciting conversation. So we do the break and come back for a little bit more news because, as it turns out, um, the Giants weren't done losing wide receivers uh, when Sterling Shepard went down. Uh, they also lost. I don't know if we talked about this on the last podcast, but I will mention it anyway. They also lost Corey. Yeah, we did because Pete was Pete said that the Giants were counting on Corey Coleman to do something, which is a terrifying prospect. Uh, they lost Corey Coleman to an ACL, and then popping up on Friday was Golden Tate, who will be suspended for uh, four games, I believe. Right, Ryan? Is that right? Four games uh, yep. for uh, taking what he claims is a fertility drug. BMac is. Uh, I mean. You know, you, you played a long time, you played for a long time in the NFL. You understand, uh, the importance of knowing what goes into your body, right? Like this is, uh, I, I know he's got a pretty good excuse technically, but it, do you think there's any chance he's going to walk off of this based on how they, they treat people who, uh, who fail, uh, positive tests? 
Now, he's not going to walk. He will be suspended. I think best-case scenario scenario for Golden and the New York Giants is that maybe he can get this suspension reduced. Uh, it's four games now. Uh, if they can get it down to two games, I think they would definitely take that and run. Uh, that would be a win-win for Golden and the Giants, but he will be suspended. Even though I, I actually believe him because based on what I heard, initially when he took the drug, and he realized there was a substance involved that he should not have, he, he, he immediately notified the club. Mm. So, you know, he, he, before he was even, before he failed the drug test, I heard that he notified the club, and they were, they were aware of it, but, you know, nothing else can be done. So, for me, where did the Giants turn? We just saw what, Alan Hearns signed a one-year deal with the Dolphins. Um, hey, he's a guy that, you know, is coming off an ankle injury, but yet and still... Based on what the Giants have now, no Corey Coleman, who I didn't really expect a lot from this year, but yet and still that's a body, a guy that could catch some passes from Eli. Uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, he's dealing with a finger, but I think he will be ready to go uh, week one. Now you know Golden Tate, who I believe is their best all-around wide receiver, he will be missing. I mean, it's going it's to be slim pickings based on what we know now, but, guys, you know, every year there are always – unexpected releases, releasing with quality players and maybe a very few wide receivers that will be released. I just saw the Saints release Cameron, uh, Cameron Meredith. So, you know, he he was the guy looking to have a pretty bright future, um, but didn't really work out. He didn't work out well in New Orleans. And what about uh, Des Bryant? Des Bryant is still floating around, mm. right? He's still trying to get back into action, all right? Yeah, uh, he is trying, and I believe they brought in Kelvin Benjamin as well. So that's uh, they got that going for it. Dave Gettleman can't quit Kelvin Benjamin somehow. By the way, uh, this is Golden Tate's statement. By the way, he said this past April during the off season, my wife and I decided to see a specialist for fertility planning. I started the treatments prescribed to me, and just days later, I discovered it contained an ingredient that is on the league's banned substance list. Uh, the one, this is a very tricky subject, so I, I want to broach this carefully. But it, there were, I believe, some people asking a question like if he was. They had a, they had their second child in February, and then he started to take the fertility drug in April, which is a little odd for the timing, right, Ryan? I mean, I don't I don't want to get into a, a, yeah. Listen, this man <laughs> isn't putting his personal business out there just to avoid getting a four game suspension. I wouldn't think. I mean, I think you come up with a better lie than that. That but, you know, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, maybe they were like, hey, this second kid is great. We want a third one. We used the fertility stuff before. Let's do it again. But, yeah. But, I mean, you, you do understand why. To explain all that. Right. But you do understand why people would look at the timing of it and say that is it is odd, right? I mean, like. Maybe he doesn't want to play with Eli Manning. Do you ever think about that? Maybe he wants that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's possible. Um, anyway, I'm just, just putting all the facts out there uh, or innuendo as it were. Is this team worse than the Redskins though? I still think they're better than, than Washington. Yeah. I would like to give away. I will sell somebody my bet that I made uh, somewhat inebriated uh, on the giants to win the division. I put $25 on it. I will sell it to someone for $2. Are you for real? Yeah. I'm an idiot. Just don't just. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you acting surprised? Be <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, Man, I wish I could have, I could have done the other internet bet. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, uh, it was like, I, I, I can, anyway, I'll sell it to somebody for two dollars. What does it say that your bet has gone up in flames because of Golden Tate for four games, <laughs> Sterling Shepard, and uh, Corey Coleman, who has caught twelve passes his whole life? I mean, what does it say that my bet is up in flames on July twenty ninth? That's not not an it's ideal situation. Um, at any rate, yeah, look, I I think the Redskins are probably uh, still in worse shape because their skill position guys 
are are worse than the Giants somehow. And um maybe. Uh the Giants oh. Giants would be leaning on like Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, Alonzo Russell, Darius Slayton, Benny Fowler, Britton Golden, TJ Jones, Reggie White Jr. Um, and, uh, and, uh, like Damari Scott and Amba Edatawo. So those are the ones. Let me ask you guys this. So week four, the Giants faced the Redskins. Who are going to be the starting quarterbacks in those games? I told you it's going to be Dwayne Haskins and, uh, and, and, and Daniel Jones. By the way, uh, Evan Ingram, good fantasy value now. He's a great athlete. Um, he basically is a bigger wide receiver. He is going to be heavily leaned on by the Giants with all the losses. I don't know. He wasn't heavily leaned on last year when they, Odell was hurt. I'm not convinced. I think it's going to be Saquon, and Saquon, they're going to run him into the ground. Saquon might get 700 touches yeah. this year. Yeah, you're right. Um, so rough, uh, rough run for the Giants. They, uh, and by the way, Darius Slayton and Britton Golden are also injured as, uh, as our, uh, fantastic producer Debo notes on here. Matt, uh, Mike Daniels signed with, um, Mike Daniels is a man of Ryan Wilson's, uh, uh, heart and mind. He signed with the Detroit Lions and he said, I thank God that I got cut. I have an opportunity to play for a genius in Matt Patricia, Ryan. What do you think? He's saying that, B-Map, because he knows I don't like Matt Patricia at all. I don't know. <laughs> Matt Patricia was riding Bill Belichick's coattails. Maybe Mike Daniels thinks Bill Belichick coaches the Lions because Matt Patricia's a lot of things, but he's not a genius. And I pointed this out on a couple podcasts ago that uh, Warren Sharp, who's a friend of the program, tweeted this out. Um, or someone had read Warren Sharp's book, who comes up, who come, which comes out before the season and goes through every NFL team. And this is what the Lions did offensively last year. Uh, they were extremely predictable. This is what the tweet reads. In the run-pass breakdowns, over 75% of passes were from shotgun, 70% of runs under center. So if you're on defense, BMAC, and you're playing against the Lions offense, and uh, you come in when you're game planning and you find this out, does that make your life immeasurably easier? Uh, no question. I mean, they're self-scouted based on what you just said. So there's not a lot you need to prepare for just watching the quarterback. <laughs> the quarterback will determine if it's a pass or if it's a run. Now, how easy can it can, can it get? Clearly, on Sunday football, which is NFL football, it's a lot more difficult to really predetermine what you will see from opposing offenses because they're so smart. But, I mean, that right there, I mean, that's that's great information for fans to know when they're watching when they're watching the lines to see if this will hold up again in 2019 based on where Matthew Stafford lines up either under center or in the shotgun. Yeah, I know Mike Daniels plays defense, but the point is that if you're a genius, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen on a Bill Belichick coach offense is what is my point. But no, I understand no, Mike Daniels no. wants to get paid, and I'm fine with that, but he, I don't think he needs to dial it back on the genius stuff. <laughs> uh, but, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, maybe he is a genius. Maybe he's not a football genius. Uh, it says thirteen teams. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, Good he's, point. He's a rocket engineer or whatever. Uh, Mike Daniels also said thirteen teams called him. I know there was a report from Adam Schefter of ESPN that Daniels wanted to play uh, for a Super Bowl contender, which uh, may have been a lie because he picked the Lions. Um, the uh, Bobby Wagner. Linebacker extraordinaire. Some would say is the best linebacker in all of football, having surpassed Luke Keekley, um, in, in that, in, the, in, in those terms, uh, agreed to a contract extension with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they have now locked up Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, who the sort of the tent pole guys who survived the Legion of Boom purge. Uh, Wagner's new deal, as John Breach wrote, is worth a total of $54 million on the three-year deal and includes $40.2 million in guaranteed money. Um, 
That is a substantial sum of money, BMAC. It's an $18 million a year contract for, for, for Wagner with the extension, which bumps him above CJ Mosley, who signed with the Jets this past offseason. Uh, and, you know, Wagner said in May, I mean, the number is the number. The market is the market. That's the top of the linebacker market. That is the standard. And so that is the plan to break that. Do you think the Seahawks were wise to invest in a 29-year-old middle linebacker? Uh, yeah, he's still one of the best linebackers, inside linebackers in the game. Um, his numbers speak for uh, for him, um, one of the more heralded guys on that team. And it means a lot, I think, to a young guy to see a guy that should have been rewarded get rewarded and in a very, very nice way. I think the more intriguing thing about this story, because seeing what C.J. Mosley received for the Jets, I, I felt like Bobby would top that even though Bobby is a little older, but yet still he's, he's been far more productive and he's won a championship. But the most intriguing thing about this story was that he negotiated his this deal by himself. Mm. I think that is trend-setting, being able to negotiate a game-breaking, record-setting deal by yourself and using deal as the target point. Now, granted, I'm not sure if he had a, a legal individual read over the language in the contract, you know, as far as injury concerns and things like that or incentives. But hearing that this man negotiated this deal alone, this could be groundbreaking going forward for players. Interesting. B-Mac, let me ask you, how much, if you had done that, if you didn't have an agent or, or some someone else in the Steelers didn't have an agent, how much time is that taken up for you to have to worry about that side of things and take away from your focus of, you know, working out the playbook practice and all that stuff because I imagine that's a pretty big obstacle for just the average sort of NFL player whereas uh, Bobby Wagner seems special at least in that regard yeah yeah it wouldn't be as difficult for Bobby because he 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 don't have to he's not concerned about learning a new playbook last time I checked you know the same format they had a year ago will be in place for 2019 Uh, he's a very very smart linebacker so trying to get adapt to anything new when it came to terminology or when it came to plays. He didn't have to worry about that. And working out still would take part. I think most importantly for him, it was about seeing exactly what he felt his worth was. And C.J. Mosley's deal was the target point. Whatever C.J. got, as far as bonus money, as far as per year salary, I would love to top that. Maybe by $1 million, $2 million, whatever the case may be. But I wanted to be one step above what his current deal is and use that as my uh, 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 negotiating Format and I think maybe he probably had a lawyer to, uh, you know, proofread everything to make sure everything was set in stone before he actually signed it. But you know, a lot of guys have used lawyers to to, to look over contracts and they would just pay them on one flat out fee. You know, most agents, at best case scenario, they can get three percent. You know, some agents negotiate deals for two percent, but they didn't negotiate your entire contract. So you don't just pay them one time. You pay them the entire length of that contract, and they get paid on your money before you're taxed. That's mm. something a lot of people don't realize. Mm. Whenever you sign a $60 million deal, whatever that bonus money is goes into your per, goes and it adds to your per-year salary. So if your salary for that upcoming year is $20 million, and granted, you will get taxed. So <laughs> it depends on where you're playing at. You get that state tax. That agent gets 3% from that $20 million per year. For that particular year, so the agent, the agent, so the agent is getting gross, not net, right? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Man, these agents. Hmm. Don't know about them. 
Um, good, uh, I like, but good for good for Bobby Wagner. Um, really quickly because I don't want to keep it too long. B Mac, uh, I think we're going to punt on the position battles. I know we talked about doing that for the AFC West. We'll just worry about that uh, later. They're boring. It's all about Joe Flacco in that in that division. Anyway, uh, I'm curious. I know we're not supposed to talk uh, too much about other other shops, but uh, Pat McAfee. The former Colts punter signed with ESPN and is going to be doing studio, uh, studio work on a scale of one to ten, Ryan. How excited are you to, to have, uh, McAfee show, the McAfee show, um, friend of the program has been on this podcast, uh, appearing on your television with his enthusiastic, uh, energy and whatnot. He's good. No, he's, he's really good. He's really interesting and he's not afraid to talk about things that have happened, um, in his career and, and, um, to the point that it's probably gotten him trouble. I think it got, had something to do with how things ended in Indianapolis, but um, the dude's honest. He's funny. He's smart. I think it makes sense. He works with um, Dan Orlovsky. I think they'll they'll be working together. And um, you're Dan's good. You're, good. Guy, you're so. good for Dan Orlovsky. Who <laughs> calls me Bud because he doesn't know my name? But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think it, it makes a ton of sense. I, I, I'm I'm in favor of it. Uh, B Mac. Uh, in other NFL news, um, the great uh, Jane Slater of NFL. Uh, network, who is, who's really been, I think, the, uh, the centerpiece of the Zach, uh, the Zach, the, uh, the DAC, the Zeke Elliott, uh, contract rumors. Uh, for those wondering, it's Monday at 8 a.m. on the West Coast, day three of practice and still no Zeke counteroffer. I'm told no need to panic. This one is just a slow process per a surf source informed. Hashtag Cowboys, hashtag Zeke Watch. Uh, do you think, BMAC, that it is time for Cowboys fans to start panicking on the Zeke thing? Not yet. I mean, Week one of the preseason hasn't happened yet. Week two hasn't happened. So right now, there's no reason to be concerned because even if Zeke was in camp right now, you know, he would be going through the motions. You don't expect to see a lot of 21 or see 21 at all throughout the preseason, and you shouldn't. But the only thing that I have in the back of my mind right now is hearing how running backs are being valued Mm. and knowing that they're pretty much – you know, they, 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 their lifespan in the NFL as far as being seen as high-power high players is shorter than wide receivers, quarterbacks, defensive backs, defensive ends, and offensive linemen. And they're starting to understand and see their worth, and they're trying to get paid. So seeing what Le'Veon Bell did a year ago has me concerned with – I have because of that, I'm concerned with guys like Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott because if Le'Veon was willing to stay, sit out an entire year to – uh, preserve his body and get what he was looking to get. Who's to say some of these guys wouldn't try to do to, to do the same thing, or at least allow this holdout to go throughout the course of the year at some point? So, because of Le'Veon Bell kind of being the first person to really, you know, make that that first domino fall, I mean, who's to say these guys wouldn't try to to repeat that same uh, action? The worst thing that happened to Le'Veon Bell last year was James Conner. I, I do wonder if James Conner had a terrible year and rushed for 500 yards. If Le'Veon would have gotten a lot more interest in free agency and been making Ty Gurley money right now for doing the right thing, and that would have made the position of Zeke and and Melvin that much stronger. I, I feel like though that Jerry Jones is the perfect position for Zeke to be in because Jerry Jones wants to pay Zeke. At the end of the day, I feel like I feel like he Jerry Jones knows that this is has a chance to be a really good Cowboys team. I think Brinson ran through the uh, Madden simulations and the Cowboys won the whole thing. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's correct. The Cowboys. Uh... Jerry Jones sees that. He knows that he needs Zeke to be a big part of that. I think Melvin Gordon's in a bad situation because the Chargers don't have to pay him. That offense starts with Phillip Rivers, and I feel like they may be willing to, to have the staring contest and see where it goes. Also, too, do you think 
Melvin Gordon's injury history, you know, also is an issue, a hurdle for the team to get over and paint him now than later because, I mean, has he ever – he's only played in a full season once in his career, correct? Uh, that is correct, I believe, and I will confirm it for you. I do know that in uh, 2015 as a rookie, he had zero rushing touchdowns, so that's always good. Uh, yeah, you're right. He has only uh, played 16 games in a single season. He has never had more than 300 carries. Um, he's only averaged more than four yards per carry once last year, and, uh, you know, he has one, you know, 58 is his high in, in terms of reception. So, I mean. Again, the bad timing with Ty Gurley coming off that horrible postseason. Yep. If Todd, if Todd Gurley, if the Rams win the Super Bowl and Todd Gurley is the Super Bowl MVP and he runs for 250 yards, like we're not, we're not having this lengthy discussion. It's pay Zeke Elliott right now and give Melvin Gordon his cash. And, and, and but the Gurley thing has scared so many people. But I also don't think that Zeke Elliott is going to take less than Todd Gurley money. He wants to be the highest paid running back in football. Pay that though. Yeah. The question is, will Steven? Well, Steven said at the combine that he knew that Todd Gurley is going to be have to have to be around that contract, but Zeke ain't returning for less than fourteen million a year. Why would he? Uh, by the way, Amari Cooper was asked about if he was going to hold out or if he was worried about it, and he said different strokes for different folks. When uh, he is not planning on holding out, he will be there the whole time. And as I have pointed out, it is very wise for him to do that because if he comes out and has a huge year, and the Cowboys don't sign Dak Prescott this off season, one of those two guys is going to be a unrestricted free agent because there's only one franchise tag and they'll probably use it on Dak, meaning Amari Cooper will hit the open market and get at 26 years old, coming off uh, four out of five thousand yard seasons, a monster, monster deal in free agency. All right, we'll get you out of here on this, BMAC. Um, you're headed to the Jets on Thursday. And um I read this and I was like, wait, Le'Veon Bell didn't play for the Steelers, but he didn't play for the Jets. I was like, wait, he does play for the Jets. Again, bad Monday for me. You're set for a one-on-one interview with former Steelers running back, the guy Ryan just mentioned, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, what are your expectations for that sit-down? Uh, what are your expectations for the Jets? And what are you hoping to pick up from Le'Veon in that interview? Which, of course, people can watch on CBS Sports HQ, our streaming 24-7 uh, sports network, Apple, Roku, Amazon, Fire, wherever you get your stuff, cbssports.com slash live. Uh, it is Real Sports News for real sports fans. Well, that was great, by the way. Will. I mean, <laughs> your promoter skills is really impressive. Wow, I, I like that. I'm That's no, nice. I'm nothing if not promiscuous. Thank you, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> My expectations, you know, having a one-on-one with Bell is, you know, just being able to get some uh, some raw, uncut, you know, information from him. You know, he's been through a lot the last few seasons, and now he's, you know, a part of a new organization. So, you know, kind of touching on a little bit uh, of what happened a year ago. Um, you know, was it worth it? Is he solely happy? You know, how would he compare what he's a part of offensively to what he's been part of in the past in Pittsburgh? On uh, and, and, and the young quarterback, I think Sam Donald. I think there's a lot of pressure on Sam Donald um, because they have improved the, the cast of offensive skill players surrounding him. They have improved in that element on their team. And with that being said, now, you know, there's not the, the question – do, uh, is there enough talent surrounding the quarterback? They have enough talent, guys, I believe. So, you know, what will he do with the talent that's surrounding him? So I think it should be very, very fun. I'm, I'm excited because I think this is a, a talented team. I think on paper they should be the second-best team in the AFC East based on how this team is structured right now. Well, granted, we have to wait and see them put it on film, but on paper they should be the second-best team in the AFC East behind the New England Patriots. Hey, B-Mac, let me ask you quickly before you go. Um, so they they drafted Quentin Williams. They signed him. From what you know, from people you talk to, and maybe I don't know if you had any interactions with them, 
what would it be like playing for Greg Williams? Because it seems like those defenses buy into what he's selling, even though from the outside looking in, he seems like a crazy person on the sidelines with that that jet black dyed goatee. Is that someone you want to play for? Is that someone who can turn around this Jets defense and help out Sam Darnold on the other side of the ball? Yeah, I think playing for a guy like Greg Williams, he's more of an old-fashioned coach who loves to be physical and aggressive. Now, granted, we know the league is, you know, is trying to be cautious in the violent action that we've grown accustomed to seeing growing up watching the game. But Greg Williams is still a part of that culture within the rules, to say the least. And I think knowing that you're playing for a D.C. that's extremely cool with being aggressive, he does not mind rolling the dice from time to time and just sending everybody uh, except the choir, you got to love that. Because in the secondary standpoint, you know, we always – we used to say in Pittsburgh to Coach LeBeau, you'll make it hot so we can squat, meaning make that pocket hot for quarterbacks so we can squat on routes. Because hmm. if the pressure is getting to quarterbacks, we know we're not getting anything deep from the wide receivers because the quarterback will be forced to get the ball out of his hands sooner than what he would like to, and therefore we're able to squat on route. So, route. So I think most importantly for Greg Williams and seeing how he's handled his coaching career, calling plays on the defensive side, uh, this team will be very, very aggressive. They will blitz a lot, and they will be opportunistic because think about a year ago with the Cleveland Browns. Even though in totality they weren't considered a great defense as far as the numbers, what they did well was they sacked the quarterback well and they forced a lot of turnovers. They forced a lot of turnovers, but they weren't consistent in between the 20s. From 20 to 20, they weren't very, very consistent, and because of that, they were in the red area a lot, and they did not stand up to the test in the red zone area. But they forced turnovers, and they put pressure on the quarterbacks. And I think this team, if you compare the Jets team on paper to what the Browns had on paper in the beginning of 2018, I would say this Jets team is more talented on the defensive side than what Greg Williams had last year with the Browns before the Browns made their addition throughout 2019 offseason. So 2018 Browns compared to 2019 Jets, I think on paper the Jets have more talent defensively. Fascinating. I'm excited for it. Again, you can watch it on CBS Sports HQ. we got to get out of here. You see that, people? It's July. It's late July. August is here. It's like 55 minutes of full freaking football talk. You complain all off season, then we beat you over the head with the football. We'll be here every single day. I have no idea what the rest of the week will, will, will entail, but uh, I'll, we'll be back tomorrow. Be back. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Yes, sir.